seated. Well, Happy New Year to you. Um, my wife and I stayed up, well, kind of I stayed up until midnight. She fell asleep and then um, got up and then said Happy New Year to me and then went back to sleep. Amen? Cool. So um, through the years, it, it'd be more fun to just stay up and stuff. But I guess as you get older, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm super old, I'm saying that, you know, sometimes uh, the excitement is not always there. But I'm excited that you're here and that we get to open up God's word and we get to start off the new year in church, get to start off the new year uh, being encouraged and looking at God's word. If you're a first time guest with us, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, I encourage you to come back next week because that's when our pastor will be here to preach. Uh, and so hopefully today will be a blessing and hopefully you'll come away with something from God this morning. Uh, as we ended 2022, I Googled the other night just kind of like how people end their year off, right? Oftentimes, everyone's talking about how do I start the year? What am I going to do to start the year? And everybody knows, and I probably, and it's probably true here, that everyone just signed up for Planet Fitness, okay? Um, and so we'll probably all see each other some way, somehow, in these next couple of weeks, right? So there's always this talk about what am I going to do in 2023, this new year? Uh, and sometimes, I guess... You know, I wonder, like, what do people do to end 2022? And so I Googled it the other night, just kind of like nine ways to end off the year, right? So number one, this was kind of funny, pat yourself on the back. There you go. Go ahead. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. Uh, celebrate all your successes and progress of the last year. You know, every win counts. Okay. Number two, tell your loved ones how you feel. All right, that's pretty cool. I, I usually do that, what, at Thanksgiving or you do that at Christmas, but I want to tell you, I love you guys, and I'm so glad that you're here, okay? Number three, stop the clutter. Tackle one cluttered area of your life, a closet, a drawer, or even your phone storage, and see how much it clears your mind. Raise your hand if you got something cluttered, right? You got a, a, a closet, a drawer, your phone. Like, if you look at my phone, my emails, there's like 11,000 emails on that uh, app, right? It's terrible. Uh, it's annoying. Uh, I don't do anything to declutter it, but it's always there staring at me, 11,000 and going, okay? Number five, get some time for yourself. Even 15 minutes of doing something you love will help you in the right headspace for a new chapter. Number five, put something fun on the calendar, okay? <clears throat> it will be good for your mental health to have something to look forward to once the holiday celebrations are behind you. Number six, check in on your health. Okay, that's pretty much covered with what's going to be the gym. Okay, number seven, explore your hometown. Okay, it's funny because I've lived here in Redwood City, not lived in, yeah, lived in Redwood City most that I've been here in California. And it's funny that there's still things to be discovered here in Redwood City. It's just because I'm more of a person who likes to stay home and sit on the couch and watch Netflix, okay? So that's a new thing. Uh, eight, think about resolutions or goals, okay? And then number nine, get some workouts in, okay? So I don't know if any of you guys did any of those nine. Hopefully you did, maybe you didn't. But I thought the list was okay because I would add to that list if I could, right? And... I would add to what me and my wife did just a couple days ago, okay? We decided to go to a place called Smash City Rage Rooms, okay? Uh, it's a room where literally you get in like old things that you can just break up, right? Glass, an old, in our room we got a printer um, and an old uh, Lazy Boy and you get geared up to protect yourself. You get a whole onesie, you get a helmet, and then they give you all these weapons, okay? 
to destroy what's in the room, right? And so me and my wife did this. We did it for about 30 minutes. It was super, super fun. Um, my wife is very dangerous, okay? So do not get on her bad side, okay? Because she knows how to use a bat, a crowbar, everything, right? I'm just in there thinking, what's going on? Like, I've never seen this side of my wife. Okay, so she's dangerous. Uh, and then after that, what we got to do is we actually got to um, combo that with axe throwing or hatchet throwing the next, uh, the next room over. Uh, and my wife is just as dangerous there too. So um, <laughs> one funny thing she kept doing is uh, whenever she threw the axe, she'd look back at me. And she'd be like pointing at me. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But she did that like every single time, okay? It was almost like every time she pointed back at me, she was like sublimely telling me, don't forget my birthday. Throws another one. Don't forget the anniversary. You know, all of the different things. And so we had a really, really good time. And if I could put that on the list, I'd put that, go to a rage room, have some fun, let loose, uh, and do some hatchet throwing. It was pretty, pretty awesome. That's how we ended our 2022, okay? Um, if you would, take your Bibles. And let's go to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. I'm not going to be long here this morning, um, and uh, just because I know you guys are tired, uh, and it's more of a condensed service. Next week, we'll be back to our full servicing, okay? We'll be back to what it's like on a regular Sunday. Uh, as I said, our pastor will be back, and uh, we'll be getting back to our teen class. We'll be getting back to our adult ministry. We'll be getting back to kids' classes as well. And so back on next Sunday. Okay, but this morning, I, I just want to kind of help you this morning as, we, as we're in 2023 to carry some truths in uh, as we set out for this new year. Let's read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. That is David speaking here in Psalm 103. And this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Set Reminders. Set Reminders. If you have an iPhone... Uh, this morning, you know that there are some pre-installed apps. Raise your hand if you're an iPhone person. Let's just divide the room here. iPhone, Android, iPhone, iPhone. Yes, okay. The iPhone wins, all right? Come on, we're, we are literally in the iPhone area. So if you have an iPhone, you know that the iPhone comes with pre-installed apps, and sometimes there are apps that you don't want, you don't need, you don't care about, and now they've allowed you to be able to actually uninstall them. Well, one of those apps is the Set Reminders app. This Reminders app is very annoying to me. It was a useless app for a long, long time. I don't technically use this app right now. I use kind of a different app, but the concept of it, I was just kind of like, who needs reminders? Come on, I got a steel trap mind, all right? I know what I'm doing. So I would try to delete this, but it wouldn't be deleted. It wouldn't, they wouldn't let you do it, but now you can. But it comes, this app comes with your phone, right? Uh, and for me, it might have been a detrimental thing. I probably should have just used it. But that app was useless to me. But now as I thought about that app a little bit more, the, re the whole thing about it is actually not useless at all. Some of you guys really do need this app, and some of us really do need to be reminded. And the thing is, is we also tend to forget a lot of things. I tend 
to forget a lot of things. I remember recently, my wife and I were doing a wedding, and weddings are big, okay? These are your one moment, right? I shoot wedding videos, and this is our only chance to capture the moments, okay? Once the bride kisses the groom, you can never get that back, okay? You cannot go, all right, cut, let's, let's do that again. Can you, can you do that real quick? No, you have to capture that moment right then and there. If you lose that moment, you might as well just quit, okay? You're, you're done shooting the video, they're probably gonna get their money back and you're probably never gonna get recommended again. Well, we didn't miss that, praise the Lord, okay? So we were on this video shoot, capturing this beautiful wedding and my wife was there helping me and to her credit, she doesn't know anything really about cameras, only, she only knows how to set up things and carry my bags, okay? And so she does a really good job at that, amazing. And so we, I had her, stand by one of our cameras, our main camera, pointed right at the bride and groom, and this was gonna be like our main video, the main source of the timeline. So this was huge, we needed to record this. And so I had her standing there, and I was telling her this is what you need to do, boom, 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 boom. And in my head I knew, don't forget to press record. Don't forget to press record. And as I was telling Jessica all of these things of what to do, watch out for shadows, lighting, all this stuff, I walked away and I began to shoot other things. 40 minutes passes by the ceremony. I'm over there with another camera, just getting small details and stuff like that. I come back over, the kiss is done, they walk back down the aisle, it's all over. I walk over and I look at the camera and I go to play back what we just recorded and it's not there. And I, my heart literally sank. I was so scared and I was so like mad, but scared and mad and Jessica was so like terrified. Um, it's almost as if like she like, you know, did something very, very bad and it wasn't her fault. It was really my fault. But I thought to myself, this is over. Like we might as well pack up and leave. They're going to hate us. I got to give their money back. But luckily I videoed a lot of stuff on the second camera to where I was able to piece everything. I caught the kiss, the walk down the aisle, everything. So all the critical things I was able to piece back into there and the video was fine, okay? And the couple loved the video. I forget sometimes, okay? And you forget sometimes. And sometimes in the most critical things in our lives, we don't remember. And so this morning, I kind of want us to point us towards what David is talking about here. See, David is talking about the benefits and what not to forget. And as we enter into this new year, there are some things here that I believe if we carry this into the new year, make it foundational, it'll help us with 2023. Let me give you this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. See, the devil doesn't fill us with hatred for God, okay? But with forgetfulness of God. You hear that? The devil doesn't fill us with hatred for God. What the devil does is he fills us up with forgetfulness of God. See, oftentimes, if we're not careful, when we begin to accuse God or begin to not trust him, oftentimes it's not because we hate God. It's because we forget. And I love that statement. The devil doesn't pour into us hatred and says, look, hey, I'm filling your heart with hatred. What he does is he works to, forget, works to get you to forget that in the moments of crisis or trial, 
you don't remember God's goodness. You don't remember his grace. You don't remember his power. You don't remember his love. And then by that working of forgetfulness in you, that then begins to grow a hatred in your heart. How subtle is that? And in our text, David is speaking to his soul, telling his soul to worship. And, he, and the ways to worship God is to remember once again the realities of grace in his life and in ours. And yet oftentimes when bad news invades our life, what do we do? When the hardships come in, we begin to magnify the pain. We begin to magnify the hurt. We begin to magnify the disappointment. And at the same time, we belittle the power and the strength of our God. And yet we become depressed, defeated, and discouraged. And here's the truth. Whether bad news invades our life or when life seems to be too good to be true, remember that we need to rest in the good news of Jesus, okay? So David lists here three things this morning that we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis and as we enter 2023, okay? Number one, that our sins are forgiven, amen? Our sins are forgiven. Look at verse number one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Right, my bad. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Jesus Christ's death on the cross secured for us a pardon, a forgiveness of our past, our present, and future sins. In Colossians 2, 13 through 15, it says this, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, hath he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and have spoiled principalities and powers. And he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And in Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, it says this, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of what? Sins. According to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. See, his death has freed us from these three functions of sin. Sin operates in these ways, and they have these functions. Number one, his death of forgiveness has freed us from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. With sin comes a penalty. God hates sin, and we ought to hate sin as well. Sin has ruined his creation, and sin has separated man from God. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and yet sin has a price. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Is death. See, the penalty for those who are without forgiveness of Jesus Christ is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Hell is a real place. And I'm glad that we don't sugarcoat that truth here at our church, that hell is a real place. 
And yet Jesus spoke of hell more than he spoke of heaven because of his loving heart towards mankind. And sin comes with a penalty, and sin has to be paid either by Jesus or by you. And yet 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? To repentance. See, Jesus is saying, God is saying, look, there is a way for your sins to be forgiven. There is a way. And that way is Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross for your sin. You don't have to go to hell. Hell was never a place made for his creation. Hell was made for a place for the devil and his angels. And yet hell is not the place where God wants his creation to go. He wants his creation to be in heaven with him forever, like it was going to be in the beginning. So Jesus died on the cross. He took our sin. He drank that cup that we should have drank. He died the death we should have died. And yet he did that to forgive you of your sin. Romans 8.1 says this, says this, Now there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No longer does that penalty loom over those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. No longer is hell our destination, but heaven but being with Jesus forever. Not only that, not only did it free us from the penalty of sin, but his forgiveness has freed us from the power of sin. The power of sin. See, we struggle with sin over and over again because we don't remind ourselves. We forget what the Bible says. The Bible says this, Colossians 1, 13 through 14, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And then Romans 6, 17 through 18, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have been, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. No longer do you work for sin. No longer are you under the power of sin. You have been freed to be a servant of righteousness. Let me ask you this question. Do you struggle with sin? Is there some things in your life that you truly struggle with that you feel like, man, why can't I just stop this? Why does this have so much power over me? The reality is it doesn't. See, his death of forgiveness has freed us from this power of sin. Praise God for that. Now, I don't know what your past week has been like. I don't know what the struggle with sin that you may have in your life or the temptation you may be facing, the past urges of sinful pleasures you may have conjured up in your heart. All I know is that there is no sin more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. Who remembers the, the movie starring David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly called Labyrinth? The Labyrinth. Anybody know that movie? Anyone? Have, have you seen it? Yeah? It's a weird movie, okay? Um, <laughs> but I saw this movie as a kid. Didn't even understand what it was all about. It just was like a bunch of animatronic puppets and this girl who, like, lost her, like, um, sister, I believe, because... The sister was getting all the attention, I guess, and was like, I don't want this kid or whatever. And then for some reason, this weird goblin people came and took her and, and took her to this weird place and she had to go rescue her. 
That's a bad synopsis of the movie, so you might want to go read it online for the real thing. That was all like a bunch of different movies I put in there, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, the movie's called Labyrinth. And when I was younger, there was always this one part that literally like it made me laugh. I thought it was so funny. But there was this one part that I believe really connects with what we're talking about here. As we're talking about sin and the power of sin. The one part that that stuck with me, Jennifer Conley said this at the end as she was rescuing her, her sister, says to the bad person, you have no power over me. You have no power over me. You have no power over me. And that was the reality she had to realize, is that the world that she was stuck in, the world that she felt trapped in, really had no power over her. And what happens is is sometimes we allow our sin to build around us, this impenetrable force of sin that literally we think we cannot get out of, that we literally can't walk out of, The reality is this, is that sin no longer has power over you. Look at your sin, speak to your sin, and say, you have no power over me. Romans 6.14 says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but what are you under? You are under grace. Oftentimes what we do is we allow sin to get into our lives make its bed, live where we're at, and then all of a sudden we can't kick it out because we've allowed it to believe that it has power over us. We must believe in the gospel, and the gospel says that the power of sin is no longer in our lives. Whatever you are struggling with, speak back to it truth. Speak back to the enemy, truth. Speak back to the tempter, truth. Speak to yourself, the gospel, the truth, that you do not have power over me. The only reason sin happens is because I choose for sin to happen in my life. Sin is no longer running the show, and yet we are freed from its lordship, freed from its grip. And so when Jesus forgave our sin, he broke that penalty He broke the power, and then he freed us from the presence of it one day. One day, you and I will not have to struggle with this sin anymore. Our flesh, this world, and Satan will be forever free from, will be free from lust, pride, addiction, discouragement, dissatisfaction. Sin, at the end, when Jesus comes back, when it's all said and done, will be forever destroyed. Praise the Lord that there's going to be a day where you don't have to struggle with sin. Praise the Lord that there's going to be a day where your shortcomings will not be seen. Amen. They're going to be completely gone. Praise the Lord that those will be forever gone. Since we are saved, since we are forgiven, we live free of of the sins, of sin's penalty, power, and one day sin's presence. Carry this into 2023 that our sins have been forgiven. Live free this year and understand and believe that sin no longer has that power over you and rest in the good news of Jesus. Number two, David goes on and he says that we are redeemed, okay? That we are redeemed. Psalm 103 verse 4 says this, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. 
See, the word redeemed is this beautiful word in Scripture, which means to buy back, okay? And praise the Lord, he's bought you, he's bought me, he purchased us with his shed blood on the cross, and that, what you, is, that is what you need to remind yourself every single day. Tell your soul not to forget that he has redeemed you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Verse 20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to the Lord. Jesus paid for the rights of your life. He redeemed you. He bought you back. And when I think about this beautiful truth of redemption, it brings me to this illustration of this boy named Tom who, who carried his new boat to the edge of a river. And he carefully placed it into the water and slowly let out the string. And he saw how the boat smoothly sailed. And Tom sat there in the warm sunshine admiring this little boat that he had built. And then suddenly, a strong current caught the boat. Tom tried to pull it back to the shore, but the string broke and the little boat raced down the stream. Kind of like my wallet. I lost my wallet yesterday in the crazy storm that happened. Anyone? So yesterday, it was like flooding everywhere. I was at Home Depot and I was running and I was in there. I was like, hey, does anyone have sandbags? And they're all gone with sandbags. So I had to buy like this concrete mix. And then I got a tarp and I was running out of Home Depot. My wallet literally was in here and then it fell out, got in the car, drove over, was about to go to Burger King and get me something to eat. Realized my wallet was gone. And last night I had to call all the uh, cards and everything, cancel everything, right? I was so bummed. It was a crazy day. I thought it was the worst day of my life. Great way to end 2022. And then I get home. I tell my wife. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm not going to get my wallet back. Knock on the door. Like, I think, what, 7, 8 o'clock, babe? Like, 8 o'clock. Knocks on the door. Some random guy. He goes, hey, are you Mike Diego? I'm like, yeah. He's like, here's your wallet. I'm like, oh, man. So he found my wallet, but it flowed down like a drain and something like that. It was crazy. He said, I found it in a drain. I think it might have flown down that way. And I got my wallet back. Amen? Yes. So, like this boy's little boat that flew down the drain, Tom ran after that little boat, but it was just too dark and it was too fast. And sadly, Tom had to go home and he lost his boat. See, a few days later on the way home from school, Tom spotted that same boat, just like his, in a store window. And when he got closer, he could sure see that it was his. That was his boat. That was the one that he had. That was his boat. Tom hurried to the store manager and said, sir, that's my boat in the window. I made that. The guy said to him, sorry, son, but someone else bought in that boat this morning. And if you want it, you'll have to buy it one for $1. Tom ran home and counted all his money, exactly $1. And when he re- went back to the store, he rushed to the counter and he said, here's the money for my boat. And as he left the store, Tom hugged that boat and said to it, now twice you're mine. First I made you, and now I bought you. See, in the beginning, God created you and I, and yet sin came in and separated us from the creator, and yet the creator sent Jesus to buy us back, to redeem us. And when Jesus looks at you, when God looks at you, you are his twice over. First, he created you, and then he bought you. That's what it means to be redeemed. And first, 
Uh, but David goes on to tell us that he crowns us as well. Not only does he buy us back, but he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And yet this denotes a, a parental affection uh, on God's part. He treats us as his sons and his daughters, and we are part of his family, and he cares for us with a parental bond. We are not just his creation. We are his children, and we are crowned with his love, his kindness, and his tender mercies. And that's what it means to be redeemed. You are part of his family. And he loves you so dearly that he was willing to buy you back, to send Jesus. One of the verses I love the most is in Romans, that he would not spare his own son. Wouldn't he be able to give you all things? What was most precious to God is Jesus, and yet he did not spare him so that he could have a relationship with you and I. Carry that into 2023. Let that be foundational, that you are a redeemed child of God. And then lastly here, God is the true source of our satisfaction. Psalm 107, 9, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. We need to remind ourselves, tell ourselves that Jesus, that God, his gospel, they satisfy alone because we have this built-in tendency to, to think that there is something bigger or better than God. Pastor Ryan and I have a pretty close relationship. If you kind of know our stories and kind of how God connected us, Pastor Ryan was my youth pastor when I was about in seventh grade. Um, and I tell this all the time, like if people ask, like, how, do you, how, do you, how did you guys get together and start working together? Well, he knew me since I was in seventh grade. He knew when I didn't know how to match my clothes and everything like that. He knew about my hardships and relationships with girls in high school. He knew all of that, okay? And... And we have this really great relationship. And Pastor and Sarah as well, they were, they were conducting our youth group. And we had a youth activity. And the youth activity was called Bigger and Better. Okay, Bigger and Better. And at this time at our church, we had about probably maybe 40 to 50 teenagers. And we had this activity where they would give to us something super small. And I think everybody got a paperclip. And what the object of the teen activity was, is we would go with an adult, they would drive us in their car, and we would have to get something bigger and better than this paperclip. So we literally would go out into the neighborhood, drive to different places, and your group would have to actually literally knock on someone's door and say, hey, I'm some random teenager, I have this paperclip, could you give me something bigger and better than this? And depending on how nice these people were, um, they would give you something bigger and better than a paperclip. So my group went out, and we were knocking on these doors. People didn't answer. Some people were like, go home, get away, get off the grass, you know, all of that stuff. And we knocked on one door, and the per we were like, hey, can you give us something bigger and better than this paperclip? And by the time the, the, the activity was over, my group ended up with a golf set, like a whole golf set, an old one. Some guy was just really just waiting to get rid of it, Okay. And then we got it, the time was up, we all went back to the church, and everyone started bringing in their bigger and better stuff. One person brought in an old bike, another person brought in, um, um, I think like a, an old toy, uh, an old dollhouse, like literally made of wood, a dollhouse. They brought that in, we brought in the golf clubs. A group was offered a car that didn't work. But obviously they couldn't get it because it didn't work, okay? So, but that was really awesome. Okay, and we were bringing back all of these bigger and better things, and it was crazy how much people just did not want this stuff. 
and it was just a bunch of junk. And then I think we used that stuff and put it in like our church's annual auction, okay, where people can bid on stuff for the end of the year. And I think someone got some old junky um, golf clubs. Now it seems like that's what we're constantly doing in life is that we're always trying to find something bigger and better. We're always trying to trade in, upgrade, move up. And what can bring the greatest satisfaction in life, really, is God. What can truly satisfy a hungry soul is God. When you read about some of these Christians who have come before, who live in third world countries, who reveled in the joy of God instead of material things, it's amazing and encouraging how God alone can really satisfy a human soul. And as we continue to pursue satisfaction in things that don't satisfy, only Jesus can satisfy, can we can hold up the weight of true satisfaction. And what gives us the ability to live in a world that does not bring satisfaction is God, and he is the foundation. He is the rock. He is the anchor. God meets every need. God fills every void. God satisfies every hunger. God quenches every thirst. Listen to me. What I'm trying to say this is that having things isn't bad. You may have some great things, but do not place your satisfaction in those things. I always say this. Good things that become God things become bad things. And if we allow the good things that God has blessed us with to become the God things, they become bad things. They steal away from us joy. They steal away from our souls. They do not add to this praise and worship. We do not come to a place where we say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, if we place our faith and trust and our identity in material things. But when we rest in who God is and when we rest in who he is, we can live a life a little bit more open-handed We can be a blessing to people. We can see the materials that God has blessed us with, and we can angle them to see if we can be a blessing to others. As we come into 2023, may we understand and believe these truths that we are forgiven, and that we are redeemed, and that God is our true satisfaction. John 6.35 says this, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Psalm 22.26, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Psalm 16.11, That will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I love this quote by John Piper. He says this, he is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He is most glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. So let me end this morning by saying this. We need to use reminders. We need to turn them on. I need to remember these things because we so forget. we prone to wander especially in our moments of distress and our moments of joy when life is going wrong and when life is going great. I was telling my wife that, man, I felt like yesterday was so terrible. And yet God was still using yesterday as a purposeful thing in my life. I was able to understand and see, man, I am so 
about myself when it comes to these things. I wanted to rescue myself. I wanted to make everything right. But I had to come to a point where I had to let that go and trust the Lord and be, I am redeemed. I am forgiven. God, you are the true source of my satisfaction. Whatever this, however this day goes and ends, I'm set and secure in you. And as 2023 is now, and as you enter into this year, may these truths be foundational for you because there are gonna come moments where when you're fighting sin on a daily basis, you need to rest and that you're, and that you're forgiven. When there's the identity crisis sometimes where you don't feel like, man, God, you don't, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm so broken, I'm so messed up, remember that you are redeemed. And when your soul is hungry and, and searching for other things that do not satisfy, remember that God truly satisfies. There are going to be those moments in your life this year, and may you come back to these truths when you remind yourself of these truths and that you could pour back into your soul. Let's pray.